uh, preached a message uh, last week that the Lord had put in my heart, and it was uh, really kind of beginning a little series, and it was just, uh, what if? And uh, maybe if you're watching right now, type in the, in the little search bar, what if? Because I'm going to continue in that today. Last week, we talked about what if we really believed we were who God said we were? What if we really believed in our identity in Christ? And today, I want to talk to us about what if we lived every day like Jesus was coming back? And I titled the message today, Ready or Not, and uh, I pray it'll be encouragement to you. But just type in that search bar at the bottom, what if, and uh, that'd, be, that'd be really important to know that you're listening to the message and watching. But 1 Thessalonians 3, if you have your Bibles, flip over there with me, and let's read it together. 1 Thessalonians 3, verse number 11. I'll read out of a New King James not sure what translation you use, but uh, just join me in reading the word, and if you get a chance, if you have a pen, it's okay to mark in your Bible and to underline it and just kind of put some parentheses around it, and I do that with, with things that I want to put an emphasis on when I'm reading. In uh, 1 Thessalonians 3, verses 11 through 13, it says, Now may our God and Father himself... And our Lord Jesus Christ, direct our way towards you. You know, when I'm putting together a, a, a message for the weekend, like I, I, I'm really asking God to direct my, you know, give me direction, Lord, for where, what do you want to say? Where do you want us to go? And um, I was just seeking the Lord on it this week, and, and the Lord just began to put this in my spirit. He says, and may the Lord make you to increase and abound in love to one another and to all just as we do to you so that he may establish your hearts and this is what I underline in my Bible and maybe you can mark it in yours in verse number 13 so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all the saints Jesus is coming back Ready or not, Jesus is coming back. And the Father is speaking to us here, and he says, God wants to establish our hearts blameless in holiness. Before our God and Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus is coming back. And what if, what if we lived our lives like Jesus was coming back today? What if after service, when you have a tendency to get in your car and pull out of the parking lot, and instead of letting somebody give you anger and, 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 and something trigger like a, a response out of you, what if before you gave that response, you thought in your mind, what if Jesus comes back in the middle of this statement? Sometimes after we have a greatest service, man, and God does great things, the worship was great, Miss Gail and the worship team, Michael, that was amazing. But sometimes, you know, the worship service could be so good, the service be good, people get saved, people get healed, people get delivered, and we get in the parking lot and somebody cuts us off or somebody doesn't let us go and they've already let three people go, then they don't let you go. And it's like, what, am I chopped liver? Let me out. You know, whatever. And it's like all of a sudden you start getting, getting all upset. And it's like, man, let's just live every moment like Jesus is coming back. Because ready or not, Jesus is coming. When I was a kid, I grew up in Lorain, Ohio. It was a suburb of Cleveland, about 30 miles west of Cleveland. And uh, 
it was a it was a, a neighborhood that we grew up in it wasn't like country living it was there were houses beside each other and and we knew everybody in the neighborhood when when, when i grew up as a kid everybody knew everybody um till this day still today i could drive back to georgia avenue and i could go there and i could tell you the morgan's still live in that house the, the um the snows lived in that house and um the Robinsons lived on the corner. Mrs. Mr. and Mrs. Robinson still live there. The Morgans still live in their house three doors down. I just saw recently Mr. Morgan uh, passed away and went to heaven, and, and the families all still live in there. It's like we knew everybody on the entire street. It was this small little community, and we had to be creative to have fun. I mean, because there wasn't a lot to do. There wasn't, I mean, you had to be creative. And believe it or not, I'm 59 years old, so I'm not that old Christian, but I'm going to tell you right now, we had no video games. There, were, there was no Atari, there was no Nintendo, there were no Playstations, there were no Xboxes. We had no video games. You had to be creative to have, Titus is like, oh no, man, I can't even imagine what life would be like without a tablet, right? There were no cell phones. This is not that long ago, guys. This is 50-something years ago. I'm 59, so, you know, when I was five, six years old, they were, they were cell phones, but they looked like they were army walkie-talkies. They were about that tall, about that thick, and most of the time they were in the trunks of people's cars, and they would pull them out, and it, that was what a cell phone looked like. And I didn't have any friends that had cell phones. We had to be creative. There were, there were no computers. Seriously, this, this is what a computer looked like when I was a kid. That's 1965. That was a computer. And I had no friends that had one. Nobody had, nobody, nobody had one in their basement. It, th there were no computers. We had to be creative to have fun. When I was a kid, we played games like freeze tag. All the neighborhood kids would come out, and we would have boundaries. You got to stay in the yard, and we would play freeze tag. We'd say, this is how far you can go, and then they would run and touch you. And when you got tagged, you were froze. And I hated that game. I can't stand to sit still. I'm like, somebody come touch me, because if, if one of your friends that were free touched you, you could get free and take off running again. We played games like marbles. Y'all don't know nothing about no marbles. Huh? No, yeah, they were all color. Like marbles was, you, you, you get your marbles anywhere. We used to get them at Murphy's or at the dollar store or somewhere. You just go get marbles that, it was called Gaylords or Giant Tiger. It's these little supermarkets that were everywhere, and you bought marbles. And you'd take a circle and make a circle, either with a stick in the dirt or you get a rope and you make a circle. And then everybody would say, we're doing five. So everybody put five marbles. You know this, right, Brad? Huh? Yeah, you put five marbles in a circle, and you play for keeps. So if you would sit, and you take a shooter marble. Everybody had a shooter marble, and you take turns. And you shoot the marble into the circle, and whatever marbles jumped out of the circle, those were yours to keep. You could keep every... I like taking everybody's marbles. That's a fun game. We played kickball. We didn't have no bases. 
You put a rock right there, a rock right there, a bag right there. There's like first, second, third base. And you got in the street with all your friends and you played kickball. And you kick the ball, run to first, run around. Nowadays, we don't know nothing about being creative to have fun. When, when I was a kid, you remember hide and seek? Okay, I know I'm taking a lot of time in this, but it's important because it's, it's foundational for the message. In, in hide and seek, you had boundaries. We would say the road... And the alley are the boundaries. Mrs. Morgan's house to Robinson's house. You couldn't go past either one of those houses. You couldn't go past the road or the alley. And everybody would, would we'd pick somebody to be it. Like, AJ, you be it. You're it. And everybody runs from it. Okay? So it puts their head down and starts counting to 50. 1 to 50. You count 1 to 50. And while they're counting, we all run and hide. You know hide and seek? And then if they counted too fast, because when, when I was it, I, this is how I counted. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 50! Here I ready or not! Here I come! And everybody would still be like right in front of me. I'm like, and they're like, no! Stop! You can't count like that. You gotta count like this. One Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi. You remember? This was hide-and-seek. It was a real game. And at the end of the game, see, see, I liked hide-and-seek because nobody could find me. Because I could climb trees. I put my arms, if I could get my arms around a tree, I could climb it. I could climb trees. I could hide. And, and it's like nobody could find me. And I loved that game. But I was a cheater. Like a lot of times we go to play, I would go home and eat while they was all hiding, looking for me. And I'd be, <laughs> I'd be home getting something to eat. And then I'd come out. <laughs> I'm just being honest. <laughs> but at the end of the game, if, if, if nobody could find you, they would yell something. You remember what they yell? Ali, Ali, and free! Yeah, that, that's what it's supposed to be. We always said Ali, Ali, and free. And what that meant was, if they hadn't found you yet, you can now come in and you can't get caught and you don't have to be it. Huh? You don't have to be it. Ali, Ali, in free. In 1981, Mike Payne set me down in his living room. I traveled with a southern gospel band right out of high school called The Paynes. And uh, we were a local band just traveling all over doing gospel and playing in churches all over. But uh, someone had heard about one of the songs that Mike had written. And uh, a national recording company in Nashville, Tennessee had called and offered to sign us up on a label which was a big thing back in the days. And uh, so we got signed on this recording label, but they wanted all new songs. So Mike began writing songs, and he called me into the living room one day. And he said, I just finished this song. And he said, it's not totally done yet, but I want you to listen to it and tell me what you think about it. And so he set me down in the living room. And uh, this, this is a picture of uh, the album that we recorded. That's, that's me with the yellow shirt on with the hair. <laughs> <laughs> um, but when he finished the song it became um, like the title of our first national recording album and that, that song climbed to number 5 in the nation which launched us into a traveling ministry traveling all over the country here's the lyrics to the song that Mike wrote that day the day before when he sat me down in the living room I can't sing it but I can tell it it says, uh, well, the world says he's not coming. They live like there's no end. 
But it doesn't matter what the world says. Ready or not, he's coming again. Will the bridegroom find you waiting? Will your lamp be shining for him? When the call comes, go out to meet him. Ready or not, he's coming again. Two in the bed. One will be taken, the other left. Two in the field. One will be taken, one will be left. The sun will be dark, the stars will be falling. Ready or not, he's coming again. They're going to run to the rocks and the mountains. This is all right out of the Bible. They're going to run to the rocks and the mountains, and they're going to cry for the rocks to fall on them. But they can't hide from God's great glory, from God's great judgment. Ready or not, he's coming again. And the chorus goes, ready or not, the Lord is coming. Ready or not, he's coming again. Will your lamp be trimmed and burning? Ready or not, he's coming again. From Genesis to Revelation, there's an undeniable thread through the entire Bible that Jesus is coming back. That the Redeemer, the Savior, is coming back. The gospel is the good news. I mean, we don't talk a, a lot about this in church anymore, but the gospel is the good news. It's the truth that Jesus came to earth born of a virgin. That Jesus lived a sinless life. This is important that you know this about your Savior. Jesus came to this earth and he lived a sinless life. That Jesus died a cruel death on the cross. And the fourth key there is that he's coming again. That Jesus is coming again. It's not a childhood game that kids play. It's not a song on the radio. It's a common theme throughout the Bible. Ready or not, Jesus is coming. What if we lived every day like he was coming back? What if Jesus came back this week? What would you have to, what would you wish that you could have changed? What would you have wished? I, would, I wish I would have done that differently. I wish I would have called them. I wish I would have said something to them. I wish I would have reached out to them. I wish I would have forgave them for what they did to me. What if Jesus came back tomorrow? Happy birthday, Amanda. Today's Amanda, my, my daughter-in-law's birthday, and I just wanted to tell her happy birthday. What would you change about your life? The church, the mainstream church, isn't preaching about Christ coming anymore. They live like there's no end. They live like this is just, this is just a cycle of life. You live, you die. You live, you die. And, but I'm telling you, there, there's coming a moment when Jesus Christ is going to return. When I was a kid, they preached on hell so much, Rich. Like, they preached on hell almost every Sunday. I believed that every Sunday night, Jesus could come back. Every Sunday night, I believe that. Because they preach hell, man. They, they preach hell so hot, George, it make you sweat. I'm telling you. They talked about torment in hell. They talked about flames of fire. The flesh would not die. It would just be burnt. You would just be burning in a literal hell. And it, it, and it, it caused us to live it with the mindset. And, and I'm, not, I'm not saying... I, 
I want us to live in fear because that's not the heart of this message to get us in fear, but whatever it takes to get us to wake up. Jesus is coming again. What if Jesus came back this week? What we're experiencing right now in this world is a reminder that this world is not our home. <laughs> What's going on in everyday news? What you're seeing with your eyes and hearing with your eyes is a reminder that you better get your life in order and get ready for the coming of the Lord. This world in its current condition is desperate for a reformation and for redemption. It's desperate for redemption. Redemption means to be saved from sin. I tell you what we need. We need a Holy Ghost revival. We need our hearts to be pricked with the love of the Father, so much so that we are moved to such conviction that we live with an anticipation that soon and very soon we're going to go see the King. Soon and very soon everything is going to transition and Jesus is going to appear in the clouds and he's going to separate light from darkness. What if we woke up every day and reminded ourselves that it could be the day? Today could be the day. What if you took your cell phone and you said, Siri, remind me at 12 noon that Jesus could come back today. And what if every day your phone said, hi, this is Siri, uh, 12 noon, time for Jesus to come. I, 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 I think it changed a lot. I think it, it, it changed a lot about our attitudes. I, th I don't think we'd be as mean to each other. I don't think we'd be so quick to, to flip somebody off when they cut us off on the road or, or to respond to them flipping us off with anger and rage and, and flying up behind them and getting right on their bumper. And I'll show you and get in front of them and slow way down and hope that they, I don't make you mad. I'm just going to get right in front of you and slow down so that you have to pass me. It's like living with this rage in our hearts. I wonder if we really believe Jesus is coming back, if we would, if we would be offended a little less. Huh? I wonder if it'd take a little more to get us into a rage. I wonder if we believe that Jesus is coming back, if we talk nicer to our parents. I wonder if we'd, we'd have a little better attitude to the people in the stores that don't have a mask on. I think, if, I wonder if we'd be a little nicer to the people that do have a mask on. I wonder if we quit judging people and say, well, I don't know why they got a, I don't know why they don't have a mask. I don't know why. Da, 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 da. Like, why don't we just shut up and say, hey, Jesus may come in the moment in the twinkling of an eye. And I don't want to be grumbling and complaining. I want to be ruling and reigning. I don't want to be living in a life of fear and intimidation and, and living in anger and rage. I want to live with the peace of the Lord, knowing that in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, Jesus is going to split the eastern sky and he's going to come back for his church. I don't think, if, if we really believe Jesus was coming back, I don't think we'd let our eyes focus on the wrong things. I don't think we'd be looking at, at things that God doesn't want us to look at. Or I don't think we'd be looking at, at, at things with sexual intent in our hearts. I think if we really believed that God was coming back, we'd be careful little eyes what we see. We'd be careful little ears what we hear. We'd be careful little mouth what we say. We'd put a guard against our heart and say, God, I'm just going to respond to everything that happens to me a little differently. Because in a moment you may show up. 
I really think it would be change our behaviors every day. What if we prayed like David, reveal to me the hidden sins of my heart, Lord? What if we woke up every day and said, God, just reveal to me anything that I'm doing, saying, anything that I'm experiencing that doesn't please you, God. Let, just bring it to my attention. Bring me to an awareness of it. Instead of trying to figure out what we can get away with. Can I do this and still be saved? I literally had a woman in her late 60s, she could have been early 70s, literally call me on the cell phone and say, Pastor Greg, I just need your help. My boyfriend and I have been arguing, and can you please call him, and I'll give you his number, call him and let him know that it is okay for us to have sex. I said, what? She goes, I've been asked a lot of things before. I've never been asked that. She's like, could you just call my boyfriend and tell him that we are grown adults and what God is talking about in the Bible with sexual immorality is for the kids and for the young people. But we as adults are mature enough to make a right decision over our bodies and that it should be okay for us to have sex. Would you just call him? I said, woman, I, I think you've lost your mind. I don't even know what to say to that. I'm like, are, are you, you're serious. I mean, we're, so many people are trying to figure out what they can get away with and still be saved. I, I get asked all, of the, all the time, hey, can I smoke and still go to heaven? After all, God made weed. It's a natural herb. We should be able to smoke it, Right? I'm like, are you serious? Like, I'm not not trying to make light of it. It's a serious thing. I get people ask me all the time, Pastor, if I smoke cigarettes, will that send me to hell? I tell them, no, I I don't know, but it sure makes you smell like you've been there. You know, it's like, Pastor, would you... You know, is it okay to have a beer every now and then? Is it okay to have wine? Is it okay to... It's like, you know what? You want me to set up your parameters when you need to be going to the Holy Spirit and saying, Holy Spirit, you show me what it is that I need to get out of my life so that I'm not causing another brother to stumble or I'm not causing some child to look at my life and see something that, that really doesn't belong in my life, but I've allowed it in because I like it. What if we live with spiritual boundaries? What if we lived our lives every day saying, others may, I may not? What if you approach the throne room of heaven? Like, what if Jesus is coming back? I want to live on others may, I may not. It may be okay for somebody else, but I've got a conviction in my life that says I'm going to stay away from anything that doesn't have the, have, have, have the image of purity on it. What if we lived every day with conviction? We don't talk about this in the church much, but conviction, conviction is from the Holy Spirit. It deals with your spirit, man. Condemnation deals with your flesh. It deals with you uh, feeling condemned because you made a choice that didn't line up with what you know is right. So you feel condemnation, and I feel so much condemnation because I know my mom said, you know, to be home at a certain time, and I came home later, or you, you were 
whatever it is, then condemnation comes over your life. And it's this thing that others put on you. But if you and I would realize, what if Jesus is coming back and we would choose to live with conviction and every day going to the Father and saying, Lord God, reveal to me anything that is not pleasing in my life, be it my attitude, be it my words, be it my actions, be it my lack of actions, whatever it may be. Lord, reveal it to me so that I may live with purity, that I may live with holiness because the Bible says without holiness, no one is going to see God. Condemnation is of the flesh, but conviction is of the spirit. Conviction leads to proper conduct. That's important. Conviction leads to proper conduct. Galatians 5.19 says this, The works of the flesh are evident. Which are? And it starts with sexual sin. Why? Because this is such a prevalent thing then, and it's a prevalent thing now. It is sexual sin that has destroyed so many men of God. It has destroyed so many Christians and so many believers who start off on the Lord and they allow themselves to get into sexual sin. And so Paul lists it very first and he says, adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lewdness. These are works of the flesh, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, evil, murders, drunkenness, rivalries, and of the like. He's saying these things, man, these things are works of the flesh, and they're causing us to live outside of holiness. And so when you evaluate your day and you evaluate your, your week, you, you look at the Word of God and you say, God, is my life measuring up to that standard? Not what a preacher thinks, not what I say. And you know what? I've got some things in my life that God has put conviction in me over. I have a conviction in my life over cigarettes. I have a conviction in my life over alcohol. I have such an addictive behavior patterns. It's like I can't allow any of that into my life. I have to guard my eyes. I have to guard my eyes continually every day. As a pastor, I have to guard what I'm looking at, what I'm focusing on. I got to guard my mind. I can't let my mind begin to think. Why? Because I know the convictions that the Holy Spirit has placed on me. Just as I have also told you in times past, those who pr practice these things, those who practice these things. Look, I'm not trying to put condemnation on you. I'm telling you. But if you live in a lifestyle that is practicing these behaviors, if you're constantly screaming at each other in your homes, if that's constant, it's not godly and it's not holiness and it's not purity that every time you get in your house, somebody's yelling at somebody about something. We've made it normal, and it's not normal. In the kingdom of God, you get regened. You get regened. You get born again, and you have a new nature. The old nature has to die, and we're not talking about it anymore. Killing the old nature and saying, look, I refuse to talk like that anymore. I refuse to treat you like that anymore. What if we had a desire to live holy? What if we had a desire to live pure? Go with me to 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 through 5. 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 through 5. Finally, brethren, we urge you and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more just as you have received from us how you ought to walk and to please God. 
For you know the commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus Christ. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. You have a responsibility in the kingdom of God for sanctification. You have to sanctify yourself. What does that mean? You have to set yourself apart. You can't have the same attitude as all your friends. You can't have the same attitude as other people in your life. You've got to live. Others may. I may not. You have to sanctify it. You have to be pure. Sanctification is to be free from sin. That you should abstain. And look at the first thing he lists. That you should abstain from sexual immorality. If you have to ask if that's gone too far, it is. I'm just saying, if you gotta, if you got to think, is this going too far that I let him touch me or I touch her or I, I get in this compromising situation? If in your mind you're having to ask, is that too far? It is. Each one of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and in honor. That word honor is the word tame, and it means to put right value on an object. Let me tell you something. Your body is the temple of the Lord, and you have to put right value on it. And I am not going to allow anybody to have this cheap. You got to get a mindset. I refuse to allow anybody to touch or to do anything that is not pure in the eyes of the Lord. To put right value on an object, not in passion of lust, like the Gentiles who don't know God. We need to stop blaming everybody else and everything else for our own immoral, impure lives. Stop blaming the computer for your sexual sin. Stop blaming the iPhone for your sexual sin. Stop blaming the girl at the office who keeps flirting with you. And oh, I wouldn't have all these issues if she'd stop flirting with me. No, own it. You have a responsibility for sanctification, to be set apart, to be pure before the Lord. We need to stop blaming everybody else and start repenting. This is the key to revival. Stop blaming everybody for what's going on all around you and start owning it. You have got to line up with God's word. You have got to get conviction in your life. And you've got to live with moral purity before the Lord. Sexual sin is a cheap counterfeit for spiritual intimacy. Sexual sin is a cheap counterfeit for spiritual intimacy. We were created for spiritual intimacy, not sexual immorality. Ready or not, it's coming again. In Matthew 16, verse 27, it says the... 16 and verse 27 it says for the son of man will come in the glory of his father with his angels and he will reward each according to his works this is important when you're talking about eschatology when you're talking about end time stuff when you're talking about the second coming of christ he's going to reward each and every one of us for our works good or bad if you're doing good works, you're going to get rewarded. If you're allowing wrong things in your heart, wrong things in your life, and you're practicing the works of the flesh, there is a reward, and it is outer darkness, the damnation of your soul. Righteous and unrighteous works will be judged. In 1 Peter 1, 13, everybody flip there with me. 1 Peter 1, 13 to 16, it says, Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober. Rest your hopes fully upon the grace 
that is brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust as in your uh, ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in your conduct because it is written, be holy for I am holy. Be pure because Jesus made us a promise. He made us a promise in John 14. He said, I'm going to go away and I'm going to prepare a place for you. Don't let your heart be troubled. I'm going away to prepare a place for you. And if I go away to prepare a place for you, I'll come again and I'll receive you unto myself. He made a promise. If you live in purity, if you live in morality, if you live with a, a mindset that says, God, I am all in. I'm giving you everything. He said, I'm going to come again and I'm going to receive you unto myself. Revelation 22, 12 and 14 says, Behold, I'm coming quickly. Not by surprise, but suddenly. By surprise, but suddenly. He's saying, I'm coming quickly. He said, that was 2,000 years ago. He said, he, he wasn't talking about a time that I'm coming quickly, like right now. He's saying, listen, get your hearts right, because I'm coming in a surprise. You're not going to know when I'm coming. He said, my reward is with me to give everyone according to his works. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are those who do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life, that they may enter through the gates of the city. When I was a kid, I was so nervous about Jesus coming back. Like, I was so afraid he's going to come back, and, and, and I wasn't ready, and I, there was such a nervousness. And now that I'm an adult, and I'm starting to look at this thing in a right manner, I'm not nervous, I'm anticipating. I'm not afraid of his coming. I know my life. I know how I'm thinking. I know how I'm living. I know how I'm standing up for righteousness and I'm, and I'm living pure. And there's a righteous expectation that soon and very soon it's going to transition and we are going to live in victory. I mean, when we was playing uh, hide and seek, you know, when you hear him say, ready or not, here I come, you'd get so still and so quiet. He was just so like there was a, an apprehension and a nervousness but I'm telling you the coming of the Lord should bring us to great peace and great joy we have an expected Jesus Christ has given us an expected end in Hebrews 9 27 28 as it is appointed unto a man once to die after this the judgment so Christ was offered once to bear the sins for many to those who eagerly to those who eagerly wait for him 2 Timothy 4, he said, Finally, brethren, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness. 1 John 2, 28 says, Have confidence and not be ashamed before the coming of the Lord. Have confidence and don't be ashamed. The coming of the Lord should not leave us in fear or dread, but a pure life will cause us living in expectation for the coming of Jesus. I tell you, one of the things that the COVID-19 pandemic has exposed is that the heart of the church is in as much fear as the world. I'm just telling you, it's exposed it, that there's as much fear in the heart of the church as the world has. We need to get ready for his coming. The Bible tells us how exactly Jesus is going to come, and it says he's going to appear in the clouds. He's coming in the clouds. In Mark 13, 26, they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and great glory. In Matthew 24 verse 30, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven. It will appear in heaven. In Matthew 24, 36, but the hour and the day no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, but my Father only. 
But as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. What's he telling us? It's just like it is today, folks. It's just like it is today. Everybody's living their own lives. They're trying to, they're, they're, they've got this, this me mentality taking care, trying to make sure that they've got everything right. They don't care. There's no, they're eating, they're drinking, they're married. They're not worried about anything. And I'm here to wake the church up today and say, church, it's time to arise. Our light has come. Jesus is coming. And it's going to come back for a glorious church ready or not he's coming he's coming suddenly in the clouds here's what Isaiah 66 verse 15 and 16 says for behold the Lord will come Miss Gelf, you could come to the keyboard for behold the Lord will come with fire and with his chariots like a whirlwind to render his anger and fury and to rebuke with flames of fire for the fire and by the sword, the Lord will judge all flesh. And the slain of the Lord shall be many. What's he saying? Get ready. Get ready. Prepare yourself. Live pure. Live holy. Look for his glorious appearing. Rich and I talked on the phone Yesterday, I called Rich, and we, we, were, we were talking on the phone, and he was, he was saying, you know, Pastor, see, I, believe it, I believe it's going to be after, what, what did you say? After 2060, when the Lord returns. And we were kind of joking around with each other, and here's, here's what we decided. You need to prepare like he's not coming for a while, but you need to live like he's coming today. Don't be lazy. Get out there and tell people about Jesus. Live and prepare like it's... It, 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 he may not come for a while. I, I want to see Titus have children. I want to I I have great children. I want to I see Riley grow up, get married in this order. Grow up, get married, and have children. You know... I want to be there. I want, I want to be a grandpa to Riley's kids. I, I want to be there for your kids, Brenda. I want to be there, but I want you to grow up, get married, and have children. I want you to do it in order. Kata, I want to be there. I want, I want to be in your lives. I, I want to be a pastor to your children. I want to stick around. I want to be healthy. We were talking the other day. Rich said, Pastor, get healthy. I need you to be around for a while. And I'm like, I'm getting there, buddy. I, I, I've got a mindset. I know exactly. And I'm, I'm just telling all of us, uh, let's prepare like, like, like he's not coming for a long time. But let's live every moment moment. Don't let your flesh rise up. Don't let the enemy steal from you. Don't let the devil put you into confusion. You live other. You live separate. You live holy unto God, knowing that in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the sound of the last trump, Jesus is coming, and he's coming back for you and I, and it brings me great joy to know there's an eternity in heaven. Come on, get on your feet and give the Lord a shout. Here's the bottom line. Not everyone who claims to be saved will be taken to heaven when Jesus comes. I have scripture for it. Matthew 7 and verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, 
Did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you, depart from me. You practice lawlessness. What's he saying? You didn't live with purity. You didn't live set apart. You didn't live sanctified. You went to church, you went to youth group, you did everything in the natural that looked right, but in your heart, you didn't get your heart pure. You weren't seeking me living every day like what if he might come today? You weren't living with convictions. I'm asking everybody to bow your hearts right now and everybody praying because I believe that there's many people in this room that God brought you here today. Maybe some of you watching online right now that you know if you were honest with yourself right there in your living room, in your car, or wherever you're watching, right now you know you're not right with God. You know that your heart is not pure before the Lord. You're not living in purity. You're not living with, with, with intention to say, I'm going to search my heart and I'm going to ask God to reveal to me anything that doesn't line up. And I'm speaking to you right now and I'm going to ask you to re respond to the Heavenly Father. It's not by choice that you're here today. It's not by accident that I'm preaching this message because God wants to penetrate the dark place of your life and bring the light of his love. This morning there were two, a man and a woman, a man in the back back here and a woman in the right over here are, that just responded to the love of God and said, you know what, my heart's not where it needs to be. I need Jesus. And I'm asking right now in this room, and I'm telling you, that scripture that I read, it's appointed unto man once to die and after that the judgment. This is real. Ready or not, it's coming. Just a few weeks ago, Destiny and Josiah, her husband, my wife and I, flew to Dallas, Texas to bury a 20-year-old girl who had everything going her, her direction. She was so on fire for God. She was on a four-wheeler, driving her four-wheeler, and what we found out was there's a trail that went over a little hill and back through the woods. And they'd been riding that four-wheeler through that trail. But the, the owner of the land had bought a cow and closed the gate to let the cow loose. And when Allie came over that, four, over that trail, wide open on that four-wheeler, the trail that she had just rode on a few minutes earlier now had a metal gate closing the trail. And they hit that, that metal gate and it snapped her spine and cut off oxygen to her brain. All blood flow to her brain. Most of you know my story. When I went jogging that morning, I had no idea my heart was gonna stop, that I was going to be fib. There was no time to grab my heart. Oh, oh, pray, Jesus, help me. Nothing, baby. When I died, that was it. Allie had no time. When she came over that hill, the gate was there. Her life was called. God brought her to heaven. What if Jesus comes for you today? 
Oh, pastor, don't try to scare people. I don't care what it takes. If I can scare you in, I'm all in. I'm going to scare you in. There's no reason for anybody to go to hell. It wasn't created for you. It was created for the devil and his angels. And if you're not, listen, I'm bold enough to tell you, if you're not living all in for God, if you're not living on fire for God, if you're, if you're being a fake Christian and trying to act like you love God, but you know you're living in sexual sin or immorality, I'm telling you, when he comes, you're not going to heaven you're going to hell and I'm pleading with you right now turn your heart to Jesus Ali Ali in free it's free now come now come on now you can receive God's love everybody bow your hearts close your eyes and I ask you right now if your heart's not where it needs to be every young person answer the question answer the question in your life am I living all in sold out 100% from God if you can't say yes lift your hands right now if you're here ma'am and I know you, 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 you're kind of worried about what others are going to think but I tell you right now it don't matter what anybody thinks all that matters is that you respond to the love of the Father sir I'm pleased with you stop playing the game surrender to Jesus now one two three lift your hands to the Lord if God's speaking to you all over this room there's so many hands going up and I'm calling to you right now if you just get out of your seat and come kneel if you're you feel convicted to lift your hand come right now and kneel at the altar say God I give you everything come on everybody come right now just come don't worry about anything just come if you felt stirred to lift your hand come feel stirred to kneel to Jesus Kneel at his feet and say, God, I give you all. God, I give you everything. Come on. There's others need to come right now. Just kneel down right here to Jesus, bro. God is so good, man. God is so good. Come on, there's others that lifted your hands. Why don't you come and join us right now? Everybody come get behind us. Give me some young people to get behind these. Give me a man to come. Agree with my brother that it's all oh, it's done. I'm done running from God. I give you everything, God. I surrender to you. Come pray with him, George. George, come pray with him. Come on. Come on, AJ. Come on. Come on. Come on, Jordan. Pray. Come on. Come on. Hey, give me another guy. One of you come over here and pray. Right here. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Randy. Thank you, Randy. Come on, get real with God. I give you my life, Lord. Fill me with oil. Fill me with oil. Fill me with love. I give you all my sin, God. I lay before you with a heart after you. Purity, God. Purity and integrity, God. Giving you everything. <laughs>